Hey everybody, it's Nick. Just a quick note before you get started on today's episode. An apology for the technical difficulties I did not discover until the episode was over with that I had the wrong microphone selected and so it sounds like I'm screaming at you down a hallway. Um, I hope that that will not be too much of a burden for you, that you will still enjoy the show. Charles Boyd was a fantastic guest. We had a great conversation and I really loved hearing about his top seven Star Wars video games. So soldier on and as always, if you only listen to the audio, we'd love to invite you to check out the YouTube show. We are live every Sunday night at 8.30 Central. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can ding the bell so that it'll notify you when we are on live. Or if you catch it afterwards, you can always go back and watch the replay. So check it out, like the videos, give us a comment or a share. And I hope that you enjoy this episode with Charles Boyd and may the force be with you. Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I am Nick Milkey. It's Sunday night, and we're hanging out. We're talking about Star Wars. Made myself a drink. I am excited to hang out with you. I hope everybody's had a good week. It was spring break here. My kids were out of school all last week. I had to work, so they spent a lot of time just hanging out. Uh, We went camping last weekend. I think I talked about that last weekend after the show. But this weekend, yesterday, because we're still in that kind of COVID mode, COVID whatever, uh, lots of quarantining, lots of not leaving the house. Yesterday, we all kind of needed to get out of the house. Everybody was a little cagey. And so we decided, let's ride to one of the towns nearby and hit up a bunch of thrift stores and flea markets and some of that kind of stuff. And I always love the opportunity to do that. Um, as a Star Wars collector, I'm always hoping I find, you know, a treasure, a something, and I did. And I, this is not normally a collector show. That's what other people do. Um, but I wanted to share real quick as we get started tonight, because I know some of our folks that watch um, are collectors as well. So we were at one of the stores yesterday, and there's this booth that had all kinds of books, all kinds of stuff. And um, my wife said, hey, there's a Star Wars book over here. And I kind of of course, listened up. She goes, it looks kind of old. Well, I about knocked her over at that point because when, you know, it's old, it might be vintage. Um, I found, and I'm thrilled about this, and if you grew up in the era that I did, I found the Star Wars storybook full-color photographs. It's in almost mint condition. It's got the pictures. I don't know if I can get these up here. Um, And so that was awesome, $8. And sure enough, right behind it was the Empire Strikes Back version of the same thing. Um, again, the awesome picture. I mean, if it's high, you, you had me at high. We're there. Um, so I got both of these yesterday for $8. Was super pumped about that. Excited to add those you know, to the collection. It's got the good pictures. Hit the microphone. Um, so a fun score, a chance to get out with the fam, cruise around. Uh, my oldest daughter, Harper, shout out to Harper. Um, she got the mid-90s Micro Machine Return of the Jedi set that has... 
the sail barge, the chicken walker, and I forget what the other, maybe a B-wing, I think is the other one that's in there. So she got that. She was pumped about that. Um, shout out to the rest of my girls, Lily, Ren, Mark, Kelly. Everybody should be in bed by now. Dad said go to sleep. Um, so we had fun. We went out. I found a Star Wars treasure, and that's what it's about. It's about finding something that brings back that joy from your childhood, something you can pile up on a shelf behind you while you host a podcast. Um, it's all about building the set. I do it for y'all. So really, I was thinking about you. Anyhow, enough about my nonsense. We have an amazing guest tonight. I'm super excited to bring on my guest. And my guest tonight, I was introduced to by my good friend, Mari Sterling. Uh, Mari was a guest on the audio podcast sometime last year. Um, Mari, a lot of you know Mari. He stars in the TV show um, Homeland or did. It's over now. Um, he has been in Deadwood, not, yeah, Deadwood, I almost said Game of Thrones because we're watching Game of Thrones. He's been in Deadwood, um, he was in Longmire, he's been in a bunch of different things, Smoking Aces, great actor, been in a lot of different things you've seen. Um, but one of the things that Mari has also done is Mari is a voice actor and has worked on Star Wars The Old Republic as male smuggler. Uh, I posted that picture on Twitter a while back of one of the characters that I think is male smuggler. Um, but my guest tonight is Charles Boyd. And Charles Boyd is the creative director for Star Wars The Old Republic, working at BioWare. BioWare makes lots of great video games. And Charles, in particular, is in charge of Star Wars The Old Republic. I'm thrilled to bring him on tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and get him in the show so we can talk to him. Charles, welcome to the podcast of The Wills. Thanks, man. Really, really excited to be here. We are thrilled to have you. It is a treat to talk to you, to hear your Star Wars story, which we'll get into in a minute. To hear about Star Wars: The Old Republic, um, are you having a good Sunday night? Yeah, so far so good. You know, uh, we had really nice weather here today. I had had the window open, which is always a treat here in Austin. It'll I only got another month or so of that before it's uh, not here. Um, <laughs> totally understand. Well, we're thrilled to have you on. I really do appreciate it. Um, you do so much, and we're going to get into that a little bit as we start out. But I love to start with my guest and hear. You know, hear your Star Wars origin story. You know, how did you come to Star Wars? What era of Star Wars did you grow up in? Tell us a little bit about how Charles found Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that there even is a, a me finding it because it was just around my whole <laughs> life, right? Like, I was born in the early 80s, so uh, I did not get to see any of the original trilogy in the theater. But um, we had the toys. My brother, my older brother had all the toys. They had found a whole bunch at a garage sale once and, and just cashed in. Uh, and so, uh, of course I made them then hunt for even more of the toys cause I was even more into it than he was. Um, so I just, you know, we had them on, on, uh, questionably legal beta max tapes <laughs> growing up and then eventually bought, uh, VHS versions when they were available. And then, uh, I think we might've had the laser discs too. Um, at least the first one, I can't remember if we had all three anyway. Um, yeah, and then so, you know, one of my weekend activities as I got older would be, you know, looking through the, the classified ads in the newspaper with my dad, looking for someone selling old Star Wars toys. We eventually <laughs> found a guy who had a, had like a storage unit that he, you know, it was like, a, it was like some back alley deal where you could go find him and then he'd open it up and it was just paradise in there. It was like, it was like the wall behind you. It was just all the old toys that, you Absolutely. know, we had, we, had, we had a bunch of the old booklets at the time. And so there were, I, I kind of knew of ones that I didn't have that I always wanted. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was Willy Wonka, man. <laughs> and then from there, you know, yeah, playing all the Absolutely. video games and stuff. And uh, then eventually, 
you know, I think I was in middle or high school, yeah, middle school maybe when special editions started coming out and then mm-hmm. kind of minutes I was in high school and, uh, yeah, maybe those finished uh, up right around the time I finished college and then that's when I went yeah. to work. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I totally feel you. And I was, I'm probably just a couple of years older than you. I was born in 78. And so same thing. I say all the time, like there's never been a time in my life where I didn't have star Wars. Like mm-hmm. it came out in 77. I came out in 78. It's always been here. Um, and that was just it. And so I grew up with it and I had some of the toys. I didn't have nearly as many of the toys as I wanted. And I say this oh, all the time, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of He-Man and I had some of the Ghostbusters toys. Oh yeah. Those, you know, oh, they were great. And now like everything else, they're getting all the re-releases and the, you know, the remakes. Um, but it was such a key part of growing up and the little bit, you know, the dumb stuff, like you said, whether it was looking for a yard sale or an ad in the paper where somebody was selling stuff Mm -hmm. or even for me, like we had twin size beds and they didn't have footboards on them. And so I could push the top mattress just far enough off the end of the bed that the front end would fold down like that and you could sit in like the box spring on the top. And I pretended like it was an X wing. Like I would play, you know, it was, just, it was the thing that your kid, your kid mind would do. Or yeah. Yeah. I remember my grandparents had, um, they had the old big, um, in fact, I have one over here. Just by coincidence, the old big silver flashlight. It was a lightsaber. Oh, yeah. When you went outside at night, if you shined it up in there, all the dust particles that uh-huh. hit that light beam, you, you convince yourself like, this is my yeah. lightsaber. This is yeah. my whole, you know, deal. Um, and so you grew up with it. And, you know, obviously, like you said, you played the video games um, and you came up through the prequels. You're in high school through college with the prequels. Um, and then you said, you know, you pretty much went to work from there. So tell us about that. Tell us about working. You know, did you start out doing what you're doing now and work your way through? Uh, give us a little bit of that background. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, I had very fortunate timing. I graduated uh, University of Texas here in Austin in 2006, okay. um, right when they were starting to build uh, Bioware Austin. And uh, there was a it was a Penny Arcade comic that that mentioned it. That's the first time I learned about it. It's an online webcomic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I immediately rushed to the website and looked it up and I was like, oh, they're, you know, I, was, I, I knew I wanted to be in games, but I, and I loved Bioware games, but I never really considered that I could work at Bioware because uh, I knew they were up in Edmonton, Canada. That's where their main office was. And I wasn't really uh, looking to move that far. So um, I was really excited because like, oh, these are the coolest games. I love them. And, and you know, kind of what could I possibly you know, apply for, what could I remotely <laughs> be qualified to do? And uh, they, had, uh, they were hiring writers, they were hiring a bunch. And, uh, you know, I'd always loved to storylines and, and imagining characters and stuff. I remember like the first time I found uh, a Star Wars book in the bookstore that wasn't, you know, one of the movies, it was one of the Timothy Zahn trilogy, uh-huh. uh, the original, and and uh, that just blew my mind. And so I was always into, you know, that, that kind of, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of make up your own stories with all the action figures and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your, your flashlight, like you said. Anyway, but, <laughs> um, you know, that uh, having, creating your own stories in Star Wars was always something that I liked. And so, you know, of course, at the time, uh, no one knew for sure that that's what Bioware Austin was going to build. Um, but everyone guessed it. <laughs> this is pretty much <laughs> at least 
well kept secret uh, in in the universe. So um, I don't think they actually even officially announced it for another four or five years. So I had to, you know, when I got hired and, and worked there, you know, for years, I had to pretend like people didn't know what I was doing <laughs> when they'd ask me. Um, but yeah, so I started out as a as a writer, uh, writing uh, storylines for the game. Um, the the first storyline, uh, the one that I did uh, at the time, was the trooper class uh, storyline. So uh, everything you you see, if you start out as a trooper in the game, uh, all the the first storylines you play through uh, were all me. You know, fifteen. Okay. <laughs> so it's one of the fun things about an online game like that. The, mm-hmm. Everyone still gets to see the first thing you wrote <laughs> all the way up to the new thing. <laughs> well, and it's really impressive to me too. And I will give a um, a little disclaimer up front. I have never played Star Wars The Old Republic. So I, it's something I need to do. It's something, yeah. especially now that I've had you on and as much as I love Star Wars and we were talking before we came on air. Um, I've been playing Star Wars Bounty Hunters on PlayStation mm-hmm. because you can get it through the whatever the PlayStation subscription service is. Um, but I need to play Old Republic as well because it is like as I've mentioned it to other people, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, it stands out for them like it is a big deal. But something that you said stood out to me, too, is you said, you know, those first storylines that you wrote 15 years ago, like this game has been around like it's yeah. there. It's got a longevity to it, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, we're coming up on our 10th anniversary of being live uh, this coming December. So it's really, really exciting. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm on a, you know, like how many, like a TV show, right? Like how many TV shows get 10 mm-hmm. seasons, you know? That's, <laughs> it's super thrilling to, to be able yeah, to tell the big deal. stories. And, uh, have that's really cool. So you, you yeah. started out writing, you wrote that first Troopers component. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of where did you progress from there? Because obviously you're the creative yeah. director now, so you just kind of worked your way through different storylines. and Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, we uh, I wrote other stuff as well that, you know, they really liked my work on the Troopers. So um, they kind of gave me other things to do along the way, various flashpoints, which are like multiplayer dungeons and, uh, and you know, just a variety of pieces. And then uh, as we uh, moved on, you know, some staff left and, and the things shifted around a bit. And at that point I was the most senior, uh, writer person. So I got to be the lead writer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that, that was right around the time it was, it was between, uh, our first expansion and our second, um, we did, uh, rise of the Hut cartel, which I actually didn't do a whole lot on. Um, cause I was already working on stuff past that. Um, sure. and then, uh, shadow of Revan was the first one, uh, that I was the lead on and then okay. going on since there. And then, uh, you know, again, being being lead writer, it was, uh, you know, a lot of my work was coordinating with other teams, uh, working with the designers, working with the artists, working with the music, you know, everything. Um, you know, I was just, I was super into it and passionate about it. So, I, you know, for me, it wasn't uh, a lot of extra work, but I, you know, I wanted to coordinate and make sure everything was tying into everything really well. And, and our creative director at the time said, you know, you're basically doing what I do. <laughs> like, you, you, should, you should train toward that. You should, you should build up. And it's, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I'm ready to do that. But um, yeah, eventually a few years later, he, uh, he moved on and, and, uh, I got the, I got the part. So that's uh, awesome. Doing that since, uh, I guess Knights of the Fallen Empire, the, basically he stayed through and, and finished Knights of the Fallen Empire was like his baby. It was like his dream Star Wars sure. story to do. And so, uh, he stuck around to, to finish that up. And then I kind of was, the baton was passed. And so I took it from there and uh, I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. Well, and I, I think about two things as you you know, talk about not only your origin story, but you're coming into 
this work that you do and it has so much to do with writing mm-hmm. and for me um you know you mentioned the timothy zahn books like i grew up in that same era that you did yeah that you know after return of the jedi you know we didn't know if we were ever going to get any star wars again right right and so to be in high school and to get that that thrawn the heir to the empire trilogy is still one of my favorite things ever yeah like, i well, know they're you know the clone luke and george <laughs> Samoa, like, i know that's problematic but i don't care because it was such a sustaining yeah. middle part you know i was yeah. in college when the prequels came out and you know about halfway through college and we got those and they weren't what i hoped for i've come mm-hmm. around to them as i get older and as i realize that you know art is objective and you yeah. know there is a lot of value in those but that that original trilogy the jedi academy trilogy um you know the, and it's great to listen and i've heard you know kevin j anderson on every other shows talk about you know it was kind of like the wild west when they were writing all those books and like they were loosely being kind of tied together to figure out you know who's doing what and what's the deal um but it's so fascinating and so obviously you came into this as a writer did you do any fan fiction was fan fiction really a thing by the point that you were doing this Uh i mean a tiny bit here and there it was really you know and a friend of mine growing up was the aspiring writer. So that wasn't sure. that was his thing, not my thing. So I didn't, uh, I did a little uh, here and there, but um, you know, like I was in a, I was in some Star Wars, like online gaming groups uh, where everyone kind of invented their own characters. And mm-hmm. um, I was, uh, you know, it's something I was always doing with our, you know, with my friends, even when we were little, right. Is we were kind of creating our own uh, kind of stories. And yeah, like I hunting down all of the, you know, like, what did they call it? They call it a dictionary or an encyclopedia. I can't remember. It was about, it was like, yay. Uh-huh. In the, you know, 93 or 94, I think. I forget. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, that was Wikipedia back then, right? Like, that, yeah. you, know, you didn't you didn't have that. Uh, <laughs> no, we didn't at all. You know? And I think that's so interesting, too, because what we did have on, you know, a couple of, we had those books that we've talked about. We've, you know, any of the, what's now the legends, the old EU, whatever we called it, we had those and that gave us some stuff, but something else that I don't have experience with, but of course have read about and heard about over the years is like the West End games. Yes. Those those kind of role-playing games that gave names to certain characters that we had either seen in passing in a movie yeah. You know, what we do now, everything gets a name and a backstory and, you know, whatever. But like our Wikipedia was Western Games and the diction kind of, you know, the word of mouth version of, you know, a Wikipedia or yeah. it's really fascinating that we still managed to, you know, the big we content was created or characters yeah. were created or these other things that were propagated along the way, some of which we see now. Yeah. Well, and it's something I think people, you know, maybe don't realize or, 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 you know, take for granted is maybe too strong a word, but, you know, um, there were so many years between the original trilogy and the prequels and, and even so many years after the prequels where people were just creating tons and tons of supporting content, right? Like, you know, we had 20 years of old, old original trilogy stuff being fleshed out and everything. You know, the original trilogy explains almost nothing about itself, right? Like, they, don't, they don't tell you how hyperspace works. They don't tell you right. what the government is. Like, they, they just go. 
And, and, you know, that, the movies are that way, but then, you know, years and years and years of reference books and Western game stuff, which I love, by the way, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to, to separate them too no, much. No, no. You know, like that was part of what inspired me so much, right? Is, is getting, just like the movies, it was like, here's this cool little detail and here's this cool little detail. And they kind of feed into each other and they inspire ideas and stories and stuff. But, you know, there were so many years of that, that you, you kind of forget that the, none of the movies really do a lot to explain themselves. <laughs> and so <laughs> I feel like, especially like recent ones come out, people are like, but they didn't tell me how this worked. And I'm like, but they didn't tell you back then how it worked. Give it, give it another four years, right. everything, every detail, every character will be explained. And that, that <laughs> begs such an interesting fandom question that I think is one of, you know, it's complicated by social media. It's complicated by the internet. The things that, again, we got Star Wars in 1977 Mm-hmm. And the first thing that we see on the screen is it says episode four. Right. It doesn't say right. one. <laughs> like we got the story already going on and yeah. nobody blinked an eye. Yeah. Nobody, you know, like the one passing line from Obi-Wan talking to Luke in his hut on Tatooine, where he says, I served with your father in the Clone Wars. Like, and then all of a sudden that becomes, you know, years down the road, that becomes a show and all these yeah. other things that we, it's interesting to me that, we have we feel like we have to know everything mm-hmm. and it takes a little bit of maybe putting it out maybe it takes a little bit of the joy away from it to feel like i have to know every single like yes i want to know i'm a sucker honestly oh, sure. i'd rather know more yeah. i'd rather know more behind the scenes like how did this yeah. happen how did this get made as a movie as a game as a whatever but like we feel maybe the problem is we feel it's owed to us to know every single detail and backstory and we, um, on our podcast, when Mandalorian episodes were dropping every week, that was like eight weeks of guaranteed content because every yeah. Friday around midday, yeah. we'd do a show and talk about what did we like, what was our least favorite part. You know, we had this little list that we did, and I thought it was so interesting in like the Ahsoka episode. Yeah. Because Ahsoka just shows up. Yeah. And if you're a fan like you and I are, you know who Ahsoka is. But like my dad, who introduced me to Star Wars in the 70s and 80s right. and hasn't really paid attention to it since then, was like, I really like that Jedi with the two lightsabers. Yeah. But there wasn't. Yeah. And there's a part of me that feels like anything else. It's just like, oh, that was neat. <laughs> well, and I, I wanted yeah. it to be explained because I wanted other people to know how awesome she was. But right. I realized that those other consumers of Star Wars that aren't as into it as I am. We're like, yeah, she seems cool. And they yeah. were fine to move on the way we were in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So there's a weird, you know, details thing in there where, you know, no, I, I, it's not owed to me to explain how hyperspace works or, you know, I'm fine with the fact that there's flames in space when stuff blows up yeah. because Whatever. we know that's not how space works. <laughs> but it looks cool and that's what I'm here yeah. for. Like, yeah. All the, everything moves like we're in World War II for whatever reason. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Just go with it. You know. It's just, it's supposed to be fun. And yes, you can go deep on it. And yes, we can dig into yeah. it. Um, yeah, and I love doing that. But yeah, it's also good to, to keep that perspective, I think. That's right. You know, and there's nothing more fun than sitting around with your buddies with a beer and going, what if they did this? Or, you know, the, the challenge, and I think the biggest thing, and this is what I'm, you know, about to use as our transition out, is the problems with things like social media and the internet is, it gives an opportunity for somebody to be mad about something that we're going, really, do we need to be mad about a star Wars movie that we have no control over? Yeah. My, my go-to line is if it makes you mad, you should probably get out. Like, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah. I wish they had done things differently, 
but it doesn't make me mad. And if it did, I need to reprioritize and figure out yeah. what I'm doing here. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's meant to be a fun, crazy space adventure. Like, you know, have feelings. That's right. Sure. We're all passionate. <laughs> Like, yeah. like they say, it's a story about space wizards for kids. I mean, you know, George Lucas goes out of his way many times to say, I made these movies for kids. So 40, 40 almost three-year-old me needs to just enjoy it and get over it. Um, well, I want to talk about something else before we get to our list, which is you have a great Star Wars origin story, much like mine. You grew up with it. It was always there. You have this awesome job working on Star Wars video games, which, you know, again, if we're writing the dream for a Star Wars fan, you're right there in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you are also, you are a cosplayer and costume creator. And mm -hmm. so we, I see these awesome helmets on the shelf behind you. I shared out some of your Instagram pics um, earlier in the week on Twitter. But talk about that, because to me, that's a very fascinating thing. And I said to you before we got online, I don't cosplay, but if I did, it would be General Kenobi from the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, I feel like I need to figure that out. But tell us a little bit about that. We were talking earlier, you've got a 3D printer thing happening right now. But not only it's not like you went and bought these, like you built these costumes. And to me, that's so yeah. fascinating. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, I was, me and my wife, you know, we went to Ren Faire all the time and we love Halloween. Mm -hmm. So like dressing up and making costumes and stuff was something you already did a bit anyway. And uh, then I, you know, I was kind of aware of them, but I, I hadn't really seen them around much until the game launched really that we started, I uh, started to have more awareness of the 501st Legion, which is uh, mm -hmm. uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, costuming club that's worldwide and uh, they do it all for charity um, yep. and are, you know, take about the same level of, of you know, precision that that historical reenactors do and are very uh, mm -hmm. in their recreations of star wars costumes and uh so you know the the more i learned about that i was like oh you know that that really kind of ties into a bunch of tied into a bunch of my interests and and had you know kind of a crafting aspect which i liked and uh so i kind of got connected with some some local folks um uh here in austin who were who were members and uh they introduced me you know, that not only is there a 501st Legion, there's a Rebel Legion, which is, you know, 501st Legion is for the bad guy costumes, and Rebel Legion is for the good guy costumes. And then there's the Mandalorian Mercs, which is just for Mandalorians who are all customs, which is what uh, all these are uh, are from. Uh, and so just over time, I just gradually made costumes for all three because I, I loved, um, you know, I think the very first one I made was a Havoc Trooper from Star Wars Old Republic because, you know, that was my, my background and, and what I had tied into most. Um, and then uh, the next one was a classic uh, stormtrooper uh, TK, as the Bible first calls it, like TK four two one, which uh, still lives in my living room now. I'm a, <laughs> I like to say I've been working out a lot, and that's why it doesn't quite fit anymore. Um, it's not <laughs> ten years older or whatever. Um, anyway, <laughs> but uh, it's totally you know, legit. It's, yeah, it's a, it's just it's so classic, and I always loved stormtroopers even as a kid and loved that costume. So uh, yeah, there's uh, my first iteration of my Mandalorian, uh, which I built uh, was the third or fourth. Yeah, I think it was the third thing I started. I, I spent way more time on that than anything else because once it's custom, you can, uh, you, you know, you're not really, you're, you're following some rules, but you're not, uh, you know, looking at a picture of, oh, I want this exact thing. Okay, put this here, put this here. You know, right. it's, kind of, you're, it's on you to make it look cool. So <laughs> you just do your best. And uh, so I learned a lot of cool techniques doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, since then I've, I don't even know how many I have now. I think I have 
two Jedi. I, I and then I got into lightsaber building. Um, a coworker of mine, Brad Lewis, uh, is known as Sloth Furnace online. He builds incredible lightsaber, just absolutely incredible. He has a, a lot of machining tools and, and electronic knowledge, and he's my Jedi master uh, who taught me awesome. to build lightsabers. And uh, mine are nowhere near as cool as his, but uh, uh, still very proud of them, and it's super fun. Uh, Obby, uh, I don't have any in the room with me. Sorry, um, <laughs> out in the living room too. Um, so I made some Jedi costumes to go with those, and then uh, made. Uh, various improvements and changes to my Mandalorian, mainly getting the, the new helmets. Uh, and now I'm just starting on an Old Republic era Mandalorian, uh, just getting going on. I uh, just got the helmet the other day and had the armor, cool. the armor plates coming in. Yeah, for me, some people build them completely from scratch, um, just from like plastic that they cut in shape. I've done a little mm -hmm. of that, um, but most of my pieces I buy as, uh, as sort of kits or, or parts sure. of kits uh, mm -hmm. or you know, 3D printed models that you clean up and, and add together, uh, that sort of thing. So most of what I'm doing is is trimming it to fit me, heat gun to, to bend it to fit yep. me, uh, that sort of stuff. And then, you know, mostly uh, physical weathering, painting, paint weathering, uh, assembly, all that, you know, figuring out how to get it onto yourself and have it stay there. <laughs> it's, it's, Plenty of challenge on its own, um, but I'm always really impressed with folks who, uh, you know, like uh, you see some of those even even like foam builds where people use just like EVA foam that they've taken. Uh, you know, yes. basically it's like a it's like a floor mat, and and now mm -hmm. it's like incredible armor from Star Wars or from whatever. And you know, to go from zero to that is is so impressive to me. Uh, it's I like I said it. earlier, I'm a sucker for anything processed. How is a movie made? How is a song yeah. written? How is you know? And so same thing, you know, I don't do cosplay stuff. I admire it so much because the majority of it is DIY and people, yeah. you know, like you said, sure, you could go buy an Anovo suit and have the whole thing complete and ready and put together. But for me, and I think most of the people that do this, like the labor of love is in like, I made that and yeah. I made that in a way that meets the 501st standards and gets, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I also love, um, you know, the hacks and like you said the eva foam i was watching a video the other day i talked about the general kenobi you know outfit yeah. i found a video on youtube of a guy that made that general kenobi armor and all the shoulder pieces and the forearm and the boots yeah. because the rest of it's like robe and pants underneath but like he made all that out of eva foam and it was like three different thicknesses to give it the texture yeah. and i'm just sitting there fascinated going what am i doing i'm in my garage watching this dude <laughs> tell me how to do this and even before that um the R2, the droid builds, like the oh dude, I, I have oh. spent hours reading about people who build art droids and I'm like, can, I, it's <laughs> like buying a car, man. Like you can, absolutely. You can there's no upper limit. <laughs> it's, it's, what you can it's, do. it's the nerd version of like, I'm going to buy this car and I'm going to make it into this awesome like thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just oh. wild. And um, yeah. so yeah, I've spent more time than I should probably admit out loud watching videos about how to do this and knowing full well, I'm probably never going to build an R2 of my own. I'd love to, but I probably won't. Yeah. So General Kenobi feels accessible because it's not a full suit of armor. Like there's some pieces and I can work my way up to it. Yeah. So that's what I think I'm, that's what I've got my eye on. Yeah. It can be your first step into a larger world. <laughs> into a much larger world. Exactly. So that's super cool. Um, like I said, I put some of those pictures up on Twitter the other day. And if anybody wants to check those out, um, I encourage you to, because again, for you, 
you've got this awesome confluence of something that's a passion, your job, a hobby, like it all just kind of swirls together, which I think is so cool. Um, yeah. and, and so as we, <clears throat> as we talk about that passion and that job, especially that job, we're going to pivot into our top seven list. Yeah. Um, I say this all the time. This is our 11th week of doing live shows on Sunday night. I don't know why I arbitrarily picked top seven, but top seven <laughs> it is. So, um, it's, it's much, uh, much brisker than a top 10. It's much, uh, you got you got to work for it on a top. Yeah, work for seven. Um, so I asked Charles to give me or to do his top seven Star Wars video games. And we and threw some caveats. <laughs> After I made him uncomfortable for a minute because he realized he needs to like feed his wife and himself and pay bills and all that. There are a couple things that we decided to do. We're not going to get into anything EA because we have respect for the fact that Charles works for EA. I think that's yeah. super cool. Can't, uh, can't compare all the children. <laughs> that's right. And we can't pick a favorite child. So even in his top seven list, it's not necessarily, you know, number one is not necessarily more favorite than five or six. Um, he picked seven really great games and we actually did them in chronological order. So we're going to start um, with number seven and we're going to put these up there. And I just want to hear, you know, what Charles has to say about these. Um, so let me get our screen back in here. Oh, wait, there we go. Um, number seven, yeah. Super Star Wars, 1992. Woo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know for sure that this was the first Star Wars game I played. It probably wasn't. There had to have been some other thing uh, at some point. But this is the first one I really remember playing a lot. It's the first one I remember beating. Um, you know, for me... Uh, you know, it's it's pretty standard for its time, right? It's it's a platformer, um, but it had some really cool vehicle segments, um, and we'll get into that with some of our later games. You know, vehicle segments uh, get to be a big deal, and and that's something that I I think is a really cool, consistent part of a lot of Star Wars games, right? Is that because Star Wars has all these different things, right? It's it's people fighting with lightsabers, it's people shooting with blasters, it's people flying things over the ground, it's people flying spaceships, it's everything, right? Uh, so it's it's a lot of work uh, for games <laughs> to try to capture all of that, and, uh, and you know for for its time, Super Star Wars and and its sequels absolutely did. Um, mm -hmm. It was also really cool because, and again, not that this was unique to it, but it it, uh, it had you play different characters on different levels, and they each had different abilities and different things they can do. Um, and up to the point where I think Super Return of the Jedi, you even played it as like Wicket uh, the Ewok <laughs> for for a couple of levels. <laughs> It was pretty cool uh, uh, amount of variety and uh, and stuff you could do. It was a yeah, it was a, it was a fun one for sure. The first time it's I a, yeah, I mean it's like second or third grade, and I you you blow up the Death Star for the first time, uh, which of course now probably fifty games of what you do, but uh, you know, it it's a it's a special moment. Well, no doubt, and it makes me think of because you talk about you know this may not have been the first game you played, but it was certainly close to it. Mm -hmm. um, I remember. And I, I wish, you know, I, I've had more of these moments lately than I probably would like to admit, but I've had like, I remember a specific part of a memory, yes. but like, I don't know where it was. I don't know. Like, I just remember this thing happened at this point or whatever yeah. it was. And for me, I remember that Star Wars console arcade that you could uh -huh. sit. They, they recently redid it with the one up and yeah. I don't have it. I wish I did. But I remember as a kid being somewhere and sit, it was like an a, Aladdin's Castle or Diamond Gems, one right, of those arcades right. inside a, a mall. Yeah. Sitting inside that thing and holding that yoke with those two handles and that wireframe video uh -huh. graphics of the trench run, 
that was everything I ever wanted in my life oh, up yeah. to that point. Yeah. And it was that was the first one. And it was just a couple of steps above like asteroids, but it felt <laughs> like Star Wars. I remember you yeah. got to the end and you got those two exhaust ports where you fired the it just it, honestly it felt a lot like the wireframe graphics that were in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a little targeting computer. Yeah. Exactly. But like for me, that was that first early original. Um, I'll say this about Super Star Wars. I don't remember if I played it when it was out in the 90s, <clears throat> but I downloaded it recently also on that PlayStation Network thing. Uh -huh. That game is hard. Yeah. Yeah. People don't you, you, you don't remember as a kid or, or appreciate as a kid whether it's easy or hard because it's just how the games are. And then, yeah, I'm sure I wouldn't make it even a ten right <laughs> now. Like it's ridiculous. Like I played it just the other day, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna play this before I have him on the show." And I got like a couple minutes in. In fact, shout out to my friends David and Timothy at the As Father and Son podcast. They have done this just a couple weeks ago. There was their one or two year anniversary, and they played this game. And like just watching it gave me anxiety. And then I tried to play it this week and I was like, I, I can't handle this game. It's there was, uh, I remember, I don't know if they had anything like this in the second and third one. The first one had, uh, there was a place when you were in, in the, you know, it's like the third or fourth level. I think uh, you were on your way to Obi-Wan's house. There was a cliff. And if you knew the right spot, you could jump off the cliff and then land on a much, much lower cliff right before the part where you died. And then there was just a room full of one-ups. And so you could just do that over and over. Yeah. I'm sure that was the only I, way I ever made, through it, made it through. I, <laughs> I seriously played for like 12 minutes on the first level and I had to stop because I needed yeah. to go outside and get some fresh air. Like it stressed me out. I don't, um, um, so I don't know. We do have, we do have at least one mission in, in Old Republic, but, uh, Probably until the Mandalorian, this is probably the game with the most uh, uh, Jawa killing <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. Well, you know, you gotta get that anywhere you can. You gotta get that anywhere you can. So that's an excellent entry into this list. And the next one, and we're gonna talk about this probably at length for a minute because I know this is a big deal for a lot of people. Um, Shadows of the Empire. 1996. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was that far back. Yeah. That, you know, 96 is now it's 20, what, two years ago? Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not good at math, but when I saw this when I was getting ready for this week, I thought, holy crap, like 1996, like that was a while ago. But yeah. I mean, by all means, Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of in between, there were a few other games I remember, like, uh, like Rebel Assault, I think, and stuff. Um, but, but Shadows of the Empire was the next one that really stuck with me in a major way. Like it was, and it, it wasn't just a game, right? Like we were talking about this a little before. Um, Shadows of the Empire was kind of, again, I wasn't, I didn't work there at the time. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> as a fan, this is not insider knowledge. And I, I've seen it described this way in, in, in books and stuff. Like it was the movie without a movie. Um, it almost felt like it was a test run for all, of, you know, their, all of their processes for merchandising and games and comics and everything because the prequels came out at the time. It felt like a long time after this. Like when in 1996, we had no idea that we were going to get a, a new Star Wars movie like three years later. Like that, that was inconceivable. Um, and and so it was a the closest thing for for someone you know our age uh, to that hype of getting a new Star Wars movie because it was it was a it was there was a game there was a comic there was a book there was a soundtrack. There were um, toys. I mean, everything that you would get with a movie 
came with this thing. And uh, yeah, this was one of the first, I think, titles on the N64, um, which uh, as a spoiled child, I was lucky enough to get <laughs> that year. Uh, my poor uh, dad, who was who was on the couch with me when I when I blew up the Death Star and Super Star Wars, went out and I have no idea how hard he had to fight to get this thing for me, but uh, <laughs> God bless him, he did. And uh, yeah, man, I played it so much. And uh, you know, this again, kind of like Super Star Wars. This was another one with uh, a mix of of different types of gameplay. I think probably the most memorable part for most people is actually probably the the Hoth, the Battle of Hoth level at the very mm -hmm. beginning, where you're in the snow speaker. Mm -hmm. So it was the first one, I think, if it wasn't the first one ever, it was definitely the first one to do it well uh, in 3D. Um, so you really got the feel of, of, you know, firing your tow cable and going around the ass and tripping them and, and everything. And it was just a really fun uh, experience. And then the, the rest of it, you know, you're mostly running around on foot and shooting stuff, which was uh, which was okay for the time. You know, it's was, it was perfectly good, but uh, probably not as memorable for that part. <laughs> But uh, I remember all the all the levels and stuff were were really neat, and you know it's always exciting to see new planets and new environments. And uh, I'm a bit I love uh, wampas, obviously. So there's lots mm. of wampas, and they are they are not to be trifled with. <laughs> um, especially uh, you go to you go to another planet called Gaul. Actually, I think it's a moon. But uh, and you're if you're exploring, you can actually run into a a cliff wampa, which is a very uh, basically repainted Wampa. <laughs> you're, not, you're really not expecting it. And uh, it just wails on you. Uh, it was pretty fun uh, to discover. And then right at the end, again, at the other, uh, you know, level that really stuck with me is the, the very last one uh, was a, was a Starfighter level. You, you, uh, on your first playthrough, you're in the Outrider, right? You're in Dash Rindar's mm -hmm. ship. You're, you're fighting high right. fighters and, and, uh, Shizor's Star Vipers and, and you're blowing up his Skyhook space station and all that. And it's super cool. And then uh, eventually, it must have been in like Nintendo Power or something, there were cheat codes that would let you switch and you could fly as an X-Wing or as a TIE Fighter. Uh, and man, I just spent so many hours just switching around playing fighters because the level would just go forever right. unless you beat it. So you could basically just dogfight endless, endlessly. And uh, it was just so fun. Uh, for the time, and I felt like that was uh, definitely the the uh, the rehearsal for uh, for another game that we'll talk about here in a minute. But uh, absolutely, those 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 parts really stuck with me about Shadows of the Empire. Oh, no doubt. Well, and I and you hit on it a little bit earlier, and I mentioned this to you before we got started. And I'm going to put the link to it in the show notes after we get done. Um, but I was looking. I went back to YouTube yesterday and today just looking at some of the video footage from the games that we were talking about tonight i'm familiar with them and i found and there's like an hour and 20 or 25 minute documentary all about shadows of the empire and i'm gonna put the link up in the like i said in the show notes for people to check out but it really was great because they talk about what you said earlier which it was really the first test for not only like what could some sequels look like but also like they talk a lot about multimedia projects. Yes. yes. There were comic books. There was the video game. There was the novel. There was the soundtrack, which it's shout a great out soundtrack, to by the way. I think it's on Spotify right now. It's a bad <laughs> Shout out to Andy from Hollow Chronicles. He has it on vinyl. Oh, he nice. it yeah. Like, it really was this all-consuming environment, and it oh, and the toys, and that was the other thing. And they get into all the different aspects. John Knowles is in the documentary a bunch, talking about, you know, the design of the video game, the 3D aspects of the video game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty advanced. 
Well, and at the point that they were developing it in this documentary, N64 was not out yet. And so <laughs> yeah. they, they, the developers had to, you know, figure out the control. And so they put up this picture and it's a wooden box. Have you heard this? Oh, no, no. I was going to say, and if anyone out there has never seen what an N64 controller looks like, <laughs> no human could have predicted that that's what it would have looked like exactly. until they got one. <laughs> it's and super weird. So they, they tell this story about how there's this wooden box with two holes in it, and they had to put their hands in it to grab the control to use it because they weren't allowed to see it yet. Oh, my God. What? Like, it, it's that whole, like, protect the technology and the, you know, don't let it yeah. leak. And, like, yeah. it was this whole deal. It's fascinating. It really is a neat documentary. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to finish it. Um, but, yeah. but it's so neat to see, like you said, like we said, the multimedia aspect of every little bit of it. And they talk about the design choices, like with the Outrider. Yeah. There's some elements of it that feel like the Falcon, that offset cannon or cockpit. Right. It's got the little. And then they said, yeah. That's right. And then they said, well, is it going to be like the B Wing? Is it going to rotate? And they said, no, it's not going to rotate. But then when the toy came out, the toy has like this cantilevered section where it flips out. And so, again, a little bit of the Wild West of the 90s, like, let's just do some stuff. Let's see what sticks. Let's see what doesn't. Yeah. But Shadows of the Empire, no doubt, set a lot of stuff in motion that would even become, you know, the things that we see now. Of course, we don't have Shizor and Kanan, but we have... We have uh, his the Feline. I, I don't know if they've ever called him by name. I forget, but they all mm -hmm. over Clone Wars. Um, That's right. So it, it really is fascinating. And I think that Shadows of the Empire created so much, laid a lot of groundwork for what was going to be to come, yeah. which is what we kind of alluded to. Yeah, like there was, and there were the skyhook stations. There's the black, mm -hmm. sun, black suns in our game, even. Um, yeah, yeah, black sun. That was a big part of it. Um, um, yeah, so and again, fun. I'm such a such a sucker for process that like they yeah. start talking about the reason that Dash Rendar has the big shoulder pads is because of the game technology and creating believable shoulder joints. Like yeah. So yeah. they put something over it. Like yeah. of course they did. And <laughs> the guy at Nintendo that wanted to see his feet and they're like, it doesn't really work for a first person shooter to have feet. And you know, like, it's all this stuff. So it's in the documentary. I encourage everybody to check it out. One of my uh, other favorite bits from behind the scenes from they were making it was Dash Rendar originally, uh, some of the earlier designs for him. He was way more like biker. Like he looked rough. Like, uh, you know, he was, he was a little bit, uh, <laughs> he had a bit of dad bod, you know, he had a uh -huh. scruffy beard and, you know, Looking back, even at even at the time, I kind of remember thinking like, "Oh, that might have been cooler, actually." <laughs> right, it was a little more unique. Um, but I think, well, we and like, no, we need a we need a sexy hero. <laughs> that's right, and, and don't worry, they get into all of that in the documentary too. Yeah. Casting choices, who they're modeling it at, like it, it really. There was a lot more there than I expected to find. It's a it's um, a fascinating and and one of the most documented. You know, like you said, you know, there's there's so much information out there about it. Super no doubt. No doubt. Well, we're going to jump into number five, which is also fascinating. Oh, yeah. Um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Oh, man. So my family was an Apple family, computers. Um, yeah. Uh, for those of you who are kids, they used to make computers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But then when this came out, uh, you know, I, uh, my dad had, he had very graciously, he, they, they eventually came out with the uh, dark forces on, on Apple and he found that for me uh, and, and stuff like that when I was a kid. And, and, but, you know, 
eventually X-Wing and TIE Fighter eventually came out for it, um, but they were always a, a year or two later. And so when this was announced, I was just like, I, I just, I desperately wanted a PC so that I could play it, mm -hmm. as, as, it as it came out. And so that kind of became our project. We, that was the first PC I ever built was, was uh, working with my dad um, together to, to make it, to play this game. And uh, man, it was so cool uh, for the time, right? Like multiplayer was not, not unheard of, but, but, you know, definitely niche, <laughs> definitely uh, right. on, at, at its infancy. Uh, for a, for a game like this, something you know, high, high speed, uh, uh, interactive, something with where where Twitch uh, aiming and stuff matter, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was on the uh, at least in in the U.S. and Australia, presumably because that's I played with some Australians a lot. Um, it was uh, the Microsoft Gaming Zone uh, mm -hmm. was where you was what did the matchmaking and and where you found rooms and that very quickly you know just like now right all this shorthand developed to say you know no missiles no countermeasures, <laughs> this kind of fight only, you know, so you, you could mm -hmm. find the matches that were what you wanted. And uh, it was capable of doing big co-op missions and stuff, um, but almost no one had internet fast enough to support that. You basically had to be, had to find someone who was playing from their office uh, on their T1. <laughs> their T1, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and every once in a while we found one and that it was the coolest ever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, be defending a Nebulon B from incoming missiles <laughs> down and stuff, you know, stuff that you've never been able to do before, and let alone do it alongside your friends. And uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, I was a freshman in college in 1997, and the college I went to at the time, mm. one of their big recruiting things was everybody that comes, you know, gets a computer. So we all got gateway towers with the cow print box and yeah. the whole deal. But the dorms all had T1. So there were two jacks. Per, like me and my roommate each had our own separate T1 jack. Computer towers. It was that sweet, sweet day where like, I forget. I can't for the life of me remember the name of the game. It was kind of a Red Dead Redemption kind of game. It was a Western something. And it was one of those ones that like somebody went and bought it at, you know, GameStop. Not GameStop, but whatever the game store was at the time. Yeah. Put it in their computer with the CDs put it on and then you could take and give the CD to your roommate and they could put it on their computer. Yeah. They weren't and really. We were all, <laughs> yeah. We were all running around playing this cowboy version of Goldeneye, you know, in our dorm room, you know, blowing each other up. But that T1, like in 1997, that was key. Yeah. 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 It was honestly like, you know, we had, you know, I think we had 56, six by this point. Um, which was fast for home internet. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you knew the exact range that lasers could hit and you timed it just right and your opponent was not on as fast an internet, you would almost always win just by pure <laughs> alpha strike. Thanks to the speed of the internet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, man, yeah, so many, so many good times. And yeah, like I said, I got into some various like Star Wars groups that played these games in, in sort of a organized fashion and developed whole universes of, of role-playing characters around them and everything. It was, it was super fun. Well, it's interesting too, because it almost does feel like, you know, at its core, a lot of this is in squadrons, which is what yes. we have now, yeah. you know, the ability to do more finely tuned, you know, I was watching again, one of the YouTube videos of the X-Wing versus TIE fighter footage, and it was loading up and it was all this stuff. And the messages are coming up on screen that says your TIE fighter doesn't have shields and you don't, yeah. you know, this and that, like I could feel the guts of squadrons in a lot of that. 
100%. Like, I, again, we're, we're, I didn't put them on the list, but I was so excited for Squadrons, and I, I really loved it because I was such a fan of this game and X-Wing Alliance that followed. And um, Those did not feel like... I, I, I was not sure how they were going to make something that was pretty niche back in the day and, and isn't really a popular genre now and is, you know, very fiddly and complex, and that's, like, the appeal of it, right? Like, I want to be able to adjust my shields... <laughs> percentage of power to my guns and then angle the shields and then you know um mm -hmm. it's very complicated and and i was super impressed with that team i didn't work on it at all so i, I don't give it credit, <laughs> but I, I was just really impressed with the job they did of, of modernizing it in oh a way no doubt still have that it's, feeling uh it doesn't feel yeah. any less complex but it just feels better uh, yeah, so, yeah. It, it's really cool and even to take you know the stair steps you go from x-wing versus tie fighter you know you have the flying stuff in Battlefront and Battlefront 2. Yeah, and then yeah. you, you know, even to then improve upon those to go to squadrons, because yeah. um, I've told this story and I said it to you before we came online. I just got a PlayStation 4 a couple months ago. So I've been playing catch up on all these games I've missed out on. Mm -hmm. So to do the, you know, story modes in Battlefront 2 and the flying missions there, and then to almost concurrently then jump into squadrons, I'm like, whoa, wait, wait like it's yeah. a more fine-tuned version of that but yeah. it really is kind of the evolution of those flying games especially yeah yeah you know it's it's it, it's always interesting when you have games like shadows of the empire super star wars right that try to do a little of everything versus something like this where it's just like nope we are 100 percent or squadrons right like we are 100 mm -hmm. this and this only and it lets you that's right go a certain depth and then again falling onto this x-wing x-wing alliance did um so much that just had had every ship that existed almost at the in the expanded universe at that time like so many you know stuff that you'd only seen in in western games books or, or right. mentioned in novels but never shown uh was it was just really really cool and uh, <laughs> yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah. it was very well, interesting for the time oh for sure well let's jump to number four because there's lots of good stuff still to come we're only halfway there we've got this guy Oh, Dark yeah. Forces 2, Jedi Knight. Kyle Katarn, the, the, <laughs> the Star Wars uh, Chuck Norris. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if if Kyle Katarn is the reason that I, I always wanted a beard and then eventually grew one, but uh, <laughs> we'll say that it is. Um, it seems legit. We will declare that canon for Charles's backstory. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, like I mentioned, I played Dark Forces uh, before this, um, and I almost picked that one for the list, but I felt like this one added some really interesting elements that made it uh, a little more uh, more discussion, would give us more to talk about. Because, um, yeah, like Dark Forces was, was you know, a first-person shooter, and, and it was cool because you were playing someone who wasn't a Jedi. You were you were just a mer mercenary working for the Rebels, and you went and fought the, the Dark Troopers who recently uh, appeared in Mandalorian, uh, which was super cool uh, to see them coming back and all that. But then Jedi Knight... Um, could be played first or third person, depending on, mm -hmm. on what you're doing. Uh, and it added this force element, right? It's right there in the name, Jedi Knight. Um, so it was kind of the first one I remember, at least, uh, with lots of uh, lightsaber fighting uh, in a third person way, right? Right. Um, and honestly, it's not it's not great. <laughs> like, like the, the, <laughs> the mechanics of the lightsaber fighting. Like I remember we were trying to work out exactly the best thing to do. And it was like, do a hard swing and try to have the tip when it swings back around <laughs> to the right, 
hit your opponent on this side, and that was the only way we were ever sure your lightsaber would hit somebody. <laughs> it, was, it was very hard to predict what was going to be a hit and what wasn't uh, when you were like, <laughs> but you didn't care, right? Like at the time, this was the best you got, and, and it was, um, you you just went for it anyway. And it was <laughs> uh, the multiplayer again, also pretty keen. This was also '97, same time as X-wing versus mm -hmm. Tie Fighter. So mostly you were doing one-on-one -on -one fights uh, because that's the internet everyone had that they could support. <laughs> and uh, but you could still you could like pick your lightsaber color. You could pick what your character looked like to some degree. Um, sure. Customized stuff, but but what I thought was most interesting about this one, and why I wanted to bring it up, was because it had these uh, these really interesting kind of role playing game elements, um, which almost all shooters do now. Mm -hmm. um, but it added that that light versus dark um, concept. So your character, uh, as they got force powers, would gain access to different ones based on your alignment, essentially, which right. is something you know we do in the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, all tons of Star Wars games do that now. Uh, and other games, you know, did it in their own ways um, outside of Star Wars. But um, you know, so you if you were if you were reckless when you were fighting through levels and blew up civilians or or uh, made you know did other things in gameplay that were you know more evil, your character could you know get force lightning and force choke and uh, and all this stuff. Uh, and it actually changed the storyline of the game uh, as well. There was like one it, basically it was the same up to one moment, and then. Uh, Kyle would stay light or go dark uh, mm -hmm. in that moment based on what you'd done up to then. And then the rest of the storyline, the levels were the same mostly, but you fought a slight, you fought a different boss at one point. Um, and then the whole, the ending is completely different. Um, Kyle becomes like the emperor of the universe, uh, of course, and wears all black as you do. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> I do mean, that? if you're going to be a bad guy, that's the way right, it is. Right. And uh, yeah, so, you know, it was, it, it was also, you know, it wasn't the first Star Wars one to do the full motion video kind of kind of cuts. <laughs> I, uh, I was just Rebel gonna Assault. bring that up. Rebel Assault did that earlier. Um, <laughs> no, no, no offense. It, the Jedi Knight did them much better. <laughs> they were they were still well, movie quality, but uh, you know they were uh, much stronger. And you know when you're a Star Wars fan in 1997, and there hasn't been a new Star Wars movie. Your entire life, um, getting that was, uh, you know, that was, that was pretty darn good <laughs> for the time. Oh, no doubt. And and yeah. that actually brings up a really good point because yeah. as I was watching these clips on YouTube and somebody had listed like a full three hour playthrough of this. Yeah. And I pulled it up and this is one of the ones I've never played. I had no connection to it at all. I knew who Kyle Katarn was, of course. But when it started with those cutscenes, because... I can totally understand in 1997 how that would have been like, gosh, this is really great and this is awesome and whatever. But I watched it today and I thought, did I end up on a video of like somebody mixing their cosplay stuff into like video? Like it was just cheesy enough that I was like, is yeah. this the right That's thing? True. Like I was, I yeah. wasn't sure. Yeah. But again, it was 1997. Like that was a whole different era and well, time. And so it does make sense. Yeah. And it was cool at the time too, because like obviously the cost, most of the costumes and stuff they had to build for, the, mm -hmm. for it. Um, the only one that was ever seems particularly impressive is, uh, is his blaster pistol, the Briar pistol. Um, right. It's always has always been one of my favorites because they did such a cool job designing it and, and featuring it. Um, but uh other things like other blasters that characters would pull in that you, they were actually ones from the movies. You could tell, and it was like, oh man, it's oh, you know, if you were a dork about that, <laughs> I was. Um, yeah, 
super cool. And uh, I, like one of one of the strongest memories I had was you know right in that very first one they go to your first level is Narshada, um, and uh, you know it does this kind of swooping camera move in through the the streets and it's just this you know it's like Coruscant right it's it's a all right. city planet um, there's freighters and things flying everywhere. <laughs> It's all dark and, and kind of moody and stuff. And like as a you know uh, teenager kid, whatever at the time, like that, that was just the coolest thing ever. I loved Narshada. Narshada became one of my <laughs> favorite places uh, because of this game. And uh, later on, on Old Republic, I, I found out that one of the guys I worked with there made that. Like he he worked at Lucas Arts. Oh wow! At the time and had made that intro that sequence. And I was like, oh man, that that was like the most amazing thing to me, and I loved it. And he was like, oh, I I hate it. I never want to let's see it again. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's like, like you're saying, you know, it's funny how, uh, how our standards change. And, and when you, when you see something it makes a big difference. Well, and it's that thing we say, all the time, did it age well, or did it not age well or whatever? Um, I think it still did age well. It was just one of those, like, I had to pause for a moment and go, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, uh, it's a product of its time. It's fun. Um, absolutely. What, what and what again, Thing. One of the other really what else did we have? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, one of the other really interesting things, I spent more time on this game doing it. X-Wing versus TIE Fighter had it too, and I, I forget, maybe even the older games, older X-Wing games and TIE Fighter, um, eventually had uh, mod tools or, or, or people figured out how to change things in the games. And that, for me, was a big inspiration. Like, that was a big part of what eventually mm -hmm. made me want to make games uh, for a living was... Uh, when I, when I learned how to like tinker with things in these games and that, you know, people eventually were making whole levels and new characters and new weapons and, and stuff, uh, particularly, and I played tons of them in Jedi Knight um, and, and, you know, made it, I didn't make anything that grand uh, or anything. Sure. But, you know, uh, knowing that that was possible and, and experiencing it was something that was really inspiring to me. So it was a, it was a big part. That's really great. Yeah. <clears throat> well, let's let's jump on to number three because we've still got some more good stuff coming. Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Squadron. Yes. Yeah. Ninety-eight. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this to me was the game that again I wasn't there. I have no idea, but I feel like somebody played the the Snowspeeder part and the and the end level of Shadows of the Empire and said these were awesome. <laughs> if we made a whole game of this and uh -huh. uh, Rogue Squadron and its sequels are. Um, they're, they're, you know, more arcade, uh, you can still, you still have some, some precision controls over your ship and, and things, especially depending on which ship you're flying. Um, you know, it's not X-Wing versus TIE Fighter where you're in the cockpit fiddling with every little thing. Um, and the, the missions are just, you know, tr tremendously more like complex and, and, and exciting, right? Like there's just so much going on and, you know, the, the, the cover really, you know, sell, tells you exactly what you're in for. It's just <laughs> lots of exciting action. Uh, and, and cool stuff, and then uh, the sequels just got you know dramatically better each each one. Like they they got more elaborate, more beautiful, um, more difficult. <laughs> honestly, um, you know I think the later they they were on like GameCube and stuff, and uh, eventually and yeah they were so cool and uh, yeah I just it, it was it's kind of the, to me the Star Wars space stuff has had kind of went two directions over time, and you still see both like you mentioned Battlefront. To me, the Battlefront space stuff is more like Rogue Squadron uh, versus Squadrons, which is more like X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and, and has the right. more sim uh, angle. And uh, both are valid. Both are cool. Um, so uh, this this to me was was one that really stood out and, and has clearly 
clearly still has uh, uh, ramifications today. And uh, I think I'm trying to remember if this was the one they they the one of my favorite characters, uh, even as a kid, and no one knew what I was talking about. Um, was uh, Wedge Antilles, right? The, mm-hmm. the the random extra who just kept coming back <laughs> and ends up, you know, helping blow up two different Death Stars and surviving every battle, and right. kind of becomes a becomes an in joke a little bit. But he's, you know, he's just the super cool professional. And then eventually, there's a whole book series about him and and rebuilding Rogue Squadron as a as a as a unit after uh, Return of the Jedi and and you know, all of this stuff. And so the, the game, the first one I think still mostly was on Luke, if I remember right, but the sequels were mostly yeah. left in his Rogue Squadron. And so mm-hmm. again, it, they weren't like super tied together with the books, but there were definitely elements in common and, and they kind of places where they were citing each other a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, again, as a fan, uh, not being used to that level of, of integration, <laughs> <laughs> the, those, it was really cool whenever you could be like, Oh, I know what that is. And, oh yeah. That's that character. Um, yeah, so it was really fun. That's fantastic. And was was this N sixty four? I think so. I think the first one was someone. Someone fact check us in the chat. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I want to say the first Rogue Squadron was N sixty four, but uh, I could be misremembering. Uh, Absolutely. Seth, Seth says he played it on PC a lot growing right. up, so obviously go. PC was an option. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah, a that- it's a really fun one. Well, and this is one that I have absolutely zero connection to. Like, if I think of everything on the list, this might be the one that I have the least connection to. I'm, you know, adjacent with a bunch of other games. But, um, but yeah, uh, okay, we've got access as, yes, N64. So, yeah. N64 PC. Um, so, yeah, so we are going to keep it moving. We've got a couple <coughs> more. A, l- a little bonus. Um, this one, man, I don't even know where we're going to start with this one. <laughs> yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. So I'm fudging it a bit because obviously Bioware did make this game, but I didn't work there at the time. So <laughs> I get to take any credit for it. Um, nor nor can I be, uh, can I seem uh, biased for picking it? Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, but there, there's, there, you, you can't go on the internet without seeing people, you know, looking for a remake of this game, wanting a movie of this game. Uh, I have a hot take on that, by the way. But, um, <laughs> you know, and for good reason, though. Like, it, it has just a, a, a stunning, you know, cool plot twist that, that no one saw coming at the time. And, and uh, you know, it really, it really, as a game, made it, it, obviously, you know, like Dark Forces, Jedi Knight, are, had literal cinematics, but this game felt cinematic in an interesting mm-hmm. way, like especially in the moments when you're you're having got you know dialogues with other characters and making decisions, and um, you know it has the light dark uh, choices that branch the story, just you know in a much more complex way than uh, than before. But it's it's obviously an evolution of that, um, and yeah, it just it it the simple things that seem simple now in retrospect, you know, like just going to a letterbox and 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 font yeah. choice and stuff, but. Um, yeah, man, it just sucks you in and, and doesn't let go. Uh, and it was a the another what I think was a very smart move for them to do at the time. You know, instead of trying to make a game set during any of the movies, because this was right around when the prequel started to come out. Uh, this was this was two thousand three, so it was um, right around Attack of the Clones, right? Wasn't that uh, mm-hmm. yes? Was, was that 02 or 03? Um I think it was out. Yeah, whatever. Someone, uh, child, tell us. Um, and uh, it was 
they even told me sometime there there was at one point there was talk about doing a storyline that had to do with clones and, and someone at Lucasfilm just told them no clones and they said well <laughs> like and they're like just don't do clones <laughs> and then just trust me on this a couple months later yeah, this was when it was in development uh so you know no one knew that was the next movie and then attack of the clones trailer came out and like oh okay <laughs> i guess that's why i couldn't mm -hmm. do clones um but yeah so many memorable characters uh honestly all pretty much all of them are they're, they're all cool uh, hk 47 is, is still yes. a, a standard by which <laughs> misanthropic droids are judged, um, <laughs> of course. Uh, and for me, you know, what I love about Revan in particular uh, was that there was no defined Revan. Like Revan was you. That was the twist. Right. And, mm -hmm. and you know, which is that's my hot take on a movie is like I would actually rather Revan never get a defined gender or appearance at all. Like only ever have the mask on their voice is processed or whatever. So you can't tell like the, the what's awesome about games in general. And this game in particular is that it is your character. It is your experience. It's it's you, you are projecting yourself into it. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's creating a star Wars story around you. And so uh, when we, you know, even in, in old Republic, we use uh, we use the, the, the default Revan that was chosen. Um, but you know, if I had my druthers, I would actually rather it were just always up to the player who and, and what Revan were like. Um, and then just, you know, Revan should be like like Yoda or something. Like, you, you, you almost never have a movie about Yoda or a show. There are a few episodes of Clone mm -hmm. Wars that are about Yoda. Yoda mostly just shows up and just is awesome. And then yeah. he's on, and then the other characters <laughs> are just left dealing with it, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's, Absolutely. The, that's the way to use Revan. But anyway, that's my that's my hot take. I'll... They tell me that's a whole movie and it's about Revan. I'll be there day one. Don't let's not get it. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Well, and that's again of the different games that you've had on these lists or on this list. Um, Knights of the Old Republic was one of the ones that I had always heard about. Mm -hmm. Never played it. Didn't know anything about it really, other than like, oh yeah, everybody talks about that, and it was always kind of in the back of my mind. And then four, three, four, five years ago, whenever it was, I started playing on my phone because we play everything on our phones now. Um, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Yeah. The little turn-based, you know, oh. whatever. And that's where HK shows up and Bastila shows up and mm -hmm. like all these characters that I'm like, okay, that's a cool robot. And, this, and then at some point I was like, oh, those are from Knights of the Old Republic. So last year sometime... I found out that Knights of the Old Republic is available to play on the iPhone. Yep. I'm sure there are better ways to do it, but I was like, I have to. Like, this is one of those things I feel like I owe it to my fandom to do and try. So I played it for a while. I am not ashamed to admit that I am currently still stuck on Dantooine, <laughs> where the, like, dog things, like, you go out in that prairie and whatever those dogs are, like, I can't get past that. And it's one of those anxiety moments where I just have to walk away from it. Um, so I, I knew the twist, so it didn't spoil Good it. Enough. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That didn't spoil it. But, like, stuck. Can't get past that part. But it also helped bring to light some of these characters that I either heard about, knew about, whatever. Yeah. 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 Like I said, like it was so such a good move to, to put it so far into the past because it let them have these huge galaxy spanning events and impactful moments and, and huge characters that, you know, like 
if it were in the movies, it'd be like, well, why didn't anyone talk about Basila? Why is it? <laughs> it would have been it would have been bizarre. So so having it in this sort of ancient past um, that is still very recognizably Star Wars, uh, you know, it gives you a lot of freedom for storytelling and and uh, player the room for the player to be a big important character uh, in a absolutely. In a, I definitely feel like, from. <laughs> yeah, well, and I definitely feel like it's one that Star Wars gaming fans of any kind go back to, like oh, yeah. Shadows of the Empire, Knights of the Old Republic. Like, there are some core. I mean, Tie Fighter versus X Wing. Like, yeah. you could make a you know a Mount Rushmore, if you will, of <laughs> you know the ones yeah. that everybody's going to go to. This one's going to be on it. Like, Absolutely. it really is. You Absolutely. know, from a story point. Um, one of the cornerstones for everybody. Uh, well, let's get to number one because we're almost there to the end of the list. Yeah. Republic Commando. Tell me about Republic Commando. Oh, such a cool game. And I actually didn't even play it right when it came out. This was when I came to a little bit late. I was super excited about it when it was announced at E3. Uh, mm -hmm. The first trailer for this game was so cool uh, and, and so intense. And they, they did, and it's something that the game itself did really well too, right? It, 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 showed, it, it makes you feel like a regular person in this insane Star Wars, you know, war. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, they, they, they exaggerate a few things even a little bit just to kind of get that feeling a little more like the Wookiees and the Trandoshans are super big and, and Geonosians just come flying at you from all different directions. It's almost like aliens <laughs> or something, you know, it's like, it's very intense and, and it, it's just so cool and so immersive. Uh, the, uh, it, it also had some really interesting kind of a tactical element to the gameplay, right? Like it's a first person shooter, but um, you also are controlling your squad and you're kind of give you can give them specific, you know, Hey, go to this spot and, and shoot at anybody that you see, or, you know, you know, hack this door, set up a grenade, a, a rocket launcher here to be a sniper over here. And, um, you know, it just added this interesting layer that, that I haven't really seen uh, used much else. Uh, at least you know not not in exactly the same way and uh you, you see it sometimes in multiplayer now where you can kind of give your fellow teammates orders or, or try to you know, encourage them gently to to play the objective uh, <laughs> but uh you know this this I, I felt like was uh was an early uh, early step in that direction that was really mm -hmm. fun and you know again felt very immersive they did a they did a probably what would seem like a weird thing now um, but at the time it was sort of like, well, what else would you do? Uh, you know, each of the clone commandos in the story, you know, they're all clones, but they, they have completely different voice actors. Um, right. One of them was actually the same actor who played uh, uh, Carthen Nancy in, in Nancy Old Public. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, because at the time it was like, well, we can't just have them all have the same voice actor. That'd be crazy. How could you ever have a story about a bunch of clones played by the same guy? And, you know, they get the clone a few years later uh, where... <laughs> they do that extensively and very successfully because yeah. Uh, yeah um so you know if, if you can get over that uh know that this came before the show there were they were not there was not a snub uh, <laughs> um and oh uh you know it the guns and stuff like it, it, it even brought in a couple of that were similar to some of the older ones that i loved from dark forces and jedi knight and then later jedi academy as well uh, which really perfected the lightsaber fighting, but uh, and almost I almost tried to find that place for that on the list too. But uh, the the music I think is is the other really big element of this game that I wanted to call out because um, 
it is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wish this one was on Spotify. You can, you can certain. I think you can still buy it uh, in various places, and, and you know, people have it on YouTube. Not to encourage, <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's piracy or not. I, I'm not a lawyer, but right. um, anyway, it is an awesome soundtrack, uh, and it's really notable for um, inventing the Mandalorian language, uh, Mandoa. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the composer for this game actually uh, composed a ton of the music for our game for for Old Republic. Uh, okay, Jesse Harlan. Um, and so he kind of did the initial first pass uh, of, of Mandalorian for uh, the various lyrics in the game because, you know, kind of in the, the lore at the time was, you know, that Jango Fett kind of raised all of his commandos to be sort of Mandalorian and, right. and taught them, uh, you know, the language and various about Mandalorian values and, and all of their, mm-hmm. they all had these Mandalorian battle hymns uh, mm-hmm. that they were. Uh, you know, they, they almost sound like the Russian national anthem or something like a very, yeah. very deep and manly uh, <clears throat> stuff. And uh, so he, you know, invented these really cool lyrics. And uh, and I think he based it off of Hungarian, if I remember right, uh, okay. at the time. And then, uh, of course, um, that was that was expanded on greatly and, and you know, made a little more consistent uh, much later in the novels. Uh, uh, turned into a whole thing and I, I it's it's something that i've i wouldn't say i'm fluent in but i've, I've <laughs> and can usually put together a decent sentence if i have time in a computer um very cool. so we still use it today the the this language in uh, in old republic for our mandalorian characters um it's it's there mm-hmm. there, are, there are whole discords for people who love uh, <laughs> language and discussing it and, and translating it uh so it's it's uh you know if it if it weren't already just a really awesome soundtrack, uh, it has since, you know, inspired so such a huge part of the fandom. Uh, it's, you know, granted, it's a bit of a niche compared to, to sure. you know, maybe X-Wing fans. I don't know. But, but like, such a deep and elaborate part that, that you can get into. Like, not only am I a Star Wars fan, but I'm a Mandalorian fan. And I've learned the language and I can write it in this alphabet that's practically illegible. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just like, it's it's what kind of like we were talking about at the very beginning, right? Of, of there, there is so much depth there if you want it. And, and it's, it's fun for some people. It's really fun to go all the way into that and, and get into it. And for other folks, they're just watching the shows and watching the movie and be like, this is awesome. I love it. And, you know, that's, they're both perfectly valid. Totally valid. Well, um, that is an amazing list. And I have, I just want to tack on one more. And I've kind of yeah. used it as a tease over the course of the week as I've abused your social media handle. Um, and there's one more that I'm just going to throw out here to go with it. And it's this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Masters of Terrace Kasi. And this is actually the special edition. This is, this is Charles versus weird me, Obi-Wan with breasts. So... I don't, I don't know where you can download this version, probably, hopefully, nowhere. But this game, this was kind of what you, what I wanted as a, and I think we looked it up. I think this came out in 97, you said. Yeah, um, yeah. Halloween. This, this was something that I wanted as a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I wanted the ability to wield a lightsaber and fight somebody. And we had had, you know, the early Mortal Kombat's we had, you know, to me, this was Virtua Fighter, but Star Wars. Yeah. You had that 3D mode. They could sidestep each other, kind of working their way around. If uh-huh. you knocked them out of the ring, you know, 
and and you just had that, and you had the different versions of Leia. You had the slave Leia. You had the um, did you, was there a Boosh Leia in there? I can't remember. I think so. Um, I think so. And you had Luke Skywalker. You had Han. You know all of it, but yeah, yeah Boba. Like it just this was that game that I was like, this is what I wanted. I wanted to square off as these other heroes in this thing that I loved, and it was just kind of weird and kind of terrible but it was the kind of terrible that you kind of kept playing it anyhow yeah it was one of they they and there are so many other games that we didn't even talk about right but but it definitely felt like in the 90s and and even in a little bit into the 2000s if there was a lot of like what if we made a star wars game that was this kind of game what if we made a star wars game that was this kind of game and uh sometimes it's you get uh pod racer where it's really awesome and and you know, sometimes you get Masters of Tereskasi, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, that's the thing. It does, it's still memorable, though, right? Like, it, it introduces this idea of an in-universe martial art, which if you're a, like, mm-hmm. I love kung fu movies and martial arts movies and stuff. So it, it, it had stuck with me the entire time just because of that. And, and No uh, doubt. Like, the, that, the lady character on the cover, I think, she got, like, the most insane backstory later where she was like thousands of years old and all of a sudden like had been frozen or something I forget, <laughs> right? it's super elaborate but like yeah you know even even elements like this that are you know uh you know maybe seemed at the time like a lesser entry perhaps uh mm-hmm. still have, because it's star wars because every little detail can feed into some other detail um, no doubt well, and the classic example of that yeah yeah it's, it's classic it's, example of that is you get to solo and Kira yeah. takes down the guards yeah. on Kessel in that room, and they're like, "What was that?" She was like, "That was Terrace Kasi." Yeah. Like, you know, everybody so freaked cool. out yeah. when we heard her say that. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I I have such vivid memories of playing it, like at a friend's house late at night. You know, we we'd have sleepovers, and and yeah, like you said, just like circling around each other, trying to beat mm-hmm. stuff out each other with all these different, you know, doing doing like what you know, Han Solo versus Darth Vader or whatever, like. Oh, couldn't possibly have made sense. We were like, let's the see. The guard with the axe. Yes. Yeah. 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 I feel like there were some hidden characters too, and I'm trying to remember what they were, but uh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, just such a, it, it was a good such one. A take such a you know totally you, you wouldn't you wouldn't think someone would say Star Wars fighting game, and then it would get greenlit, and it did. And now. And now we need that new version. We need that remake. We need a, you know, dare I say it, like an injustice version. <laughs> um, yeah. I, actually, I don't know that I want to see them ripping each other's heads off. But like, oh yeah, it doesn't need to be. Uh, we we, we could happened. still bring it. We could still bring the game engine into something new and fun. Yeah, the, and, the, the quality of graphics and mechanics, right? Like the, absolutely, the, that'd the, be fantastic. Fighting uh, experience. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. Well, Charles, this has been a fantastic list. I, um, I, I saw this right before we got started. And I also have to highlight this just for a moment. Uh, I have my Star yeah. Wars NES uh-huh. in the box. Uh-huh. Bought it on eBay. One of those good, good scores. That's awesome. uh, speaking, speaking of games that's kind of a pain in the butt to play. That <laughs> one's a like Super oh, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, in fact, my funny story that goes with that is... A couple of years ago, we had an 8-bit Nintendo that somebody had given us, original one. We were playing different games, and of course, I bought that on eBay, and it worked. So I was playing it and getting into it. And my oldest daughter, Harper, who loves Star Wars, she was like, I want to play, I want to play. So she started playing it, and 
in one of the early versions and it kind of to me in my mind kind of had that same thing as like the ninja turtles nes game like oh, you go yeah. down the sewer yeah. crawl down the ladder start doing the you know whatever yeah but my child at the at the time she was probably eight or nine and she was playing it and she kept getting frustrated and i heard her just being mad in the other room and so i came in and i was like baby what's the problem she goes this game would be fun it's just those damn rats <laughs> i just was like this is my kid she's lost it over a star wars game so that that's that quality parenting done right but um this has been such a fun chat i loved your list i loved getting to hear about you know your star wars origins the work you're doing with old republic the cosplay stuff like i said that's inspiring to me because i see you doing that i see other folks doing that kind of stuff and i just look at it and go that's something else i need to get into like i need yeah. another hobby but um <laughs> but it really is cool tell us this as we get ready to wrap up um you know where can people find you online what do you have is there anything that old republic's got coming up that you can talk about is yeah. there new stuff you know plug some stuff tell us what you got going on sure yeah i mean i'm on uh, i'm on twitter i think you shared my handle earlier it's just at charles underscore boyd i think let's hope that sends you the right man. there we go uh, I'm on Instagram. I think I'm Charles underscore underscore Boyd um, over there, uh, and uh, so I mostly you know post uh, costume stuff primarily. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, for as far as Old Republic goes, yeah, we actually have a new update coming out um, soon. TM the the specific release date hasn't been announced, but it's actually on our on our test server now. So if anyone's already playing the game and wants to jump in and, and check out the upcoming stuff, they can. Um, it's actually uh, going to Domtoween. Uh, it's in the place where you're stuck now in, in Old Republic. <laughs> uh, to the Fantastic. You know, now several hundred years later. So uh, yeah, and of course the game is free to play. So uh, you you can download it and play it. Uh, it's on Steam. Uh, you can download it and play it for free uh, and try it out. Uh, I won't complain if you throw us a, a few bucks, of course. But <laughs> you got to feed my, <laughs> my four cats. Uh, but right. Uh, definitely give it a whirl. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, mostly uh, looking forward to to the various immunizations kicking in and and conventions coming back, so we can uh, get back out there and and get my costumes on, go to some conventions and stuff. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I know that I am also looking forward to that. In fact, I saw the news broke today that they're going to do. San Diego Comic-Con over Thanksgiving this year. Oh, uh, interesting. I hadn't heard that. Which is, you know, an interesting little change. That's always been a summer thing. And, of course, the thing I'm most looking forward to is hopefully scheming a way to make it to Celebration in Anaheim Ooh. next year. Oh, yes. I, um, I didn't have tickets originally, and I'm hoping that they're going to re-release some, at least the ones maybe that folks decided not to keep. Um, yeah, I'm so sure I'm if I have to sleep standing up in the corner of somebody else's room, I'm going to figure out a way to do that because over the course of this last year, as we've talked about, certainly in the podcast community, but you know, being isolated, everybody being quarantined, the podcast community has been a great way to stay in touch with star Wars fans. I've made so many friends, people that I can't wait to meet in real life, have a beer and go, can you believe we're all here now? Like, you yeah. know, guests, other podcast hosts, you know, it just, it's something I really look forward to. Um, not to mention it's Star Wars Celebration, so why not? Yeah. Have you gotten to go to one before? I went to the one in Orlando in 2017. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so it fun. was I, a buddy of mine and I, we road tripped from central Alabama to Orlando, went just on that Friday and turned around and came back. 
and it was overwhelming in the best possible way. Like yeah. there was so much to see, yeah. you know, we did the, you know, the merchant floor, we saw the stage that they had in there. Um, my story I always go to is we were there when Billy Lord came out after Carrie had died and she did the speech from star Wars that, you know, she does in the hologram to Obi-Wan. And I was just like a puddle, like it was just so cool to stand there and see yeah. that. Um, but it is, it's just, it's such a neat thing. And so to go back a second time and kind of have a better idea of what to expect, spend more time. Like I really love, want the opportunity to do that. So I'm hoping that's going to work out. Um, but even the more local stuff, like we've yeah. got you know, cons in Birmingham and Huntsville and other places around, you know, the state, Atlanta's not that far away, Nashville. Um, so I'm looking forward to the opportunity to do more of that too, once the world starts to, you know, get back open. So yeah. Yeah, it, it gives us hope. And if we've learned nothing from Star Wars, it's about hope. Absolutely. Well, Charles, I can't thank you enough for being with us tonight. Oh, thank you so, for having me. To everybody that hung out in the live chat, thank you all for being with us. Thank you for throwing your comments in. Um, if you're listening on the audio, we hope that you enjoyed hearing this. I hope you enjoy still without the visuals. There's still great stuff to hear in the conversation. Um, follow us on Twitter at Will's Pod. Go find our YouTube channel. We'd love to add your subscribes there. And until we gather again next week, may the force be with you always.